This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. I believe that that God wants to talk to us by things that have taken place, stories that are given to us in the Old Testament. And he wants to speak to our hearts in today's world. These, these stories, though they happened thousands of years ago, are in God's word, which makes them relevant to where we live today. And we want to talk about that very thing. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So what God is saying here is that those of us who live in today's world, things that happened in the Old Testament, stories that happened, events that took place, are very relevant to our lives today. And the Holy Spirit came down into our service already to begin speaking to us that God is drawing us as a people away from the world and towards him. And brothers and sisters, I can't think of any more important word to give to our church today than that very word, that God is drawing us to himself. Now we're going to start looking, first of all, in the book of Judges. And we're going to look at some of the events that took place in Judges, and then we'll move on through some other... We won't get through the whole Old Testament this summer. We're going to do it through the whole summer. And we won't get through all the Old Testament in the whole in the summer. We're just going to look at some of the events that happened in the Old Testament. But I know many of you are new in your experience with God, and you don't know some of these stories. You don't know some of these events. Paul says here... These things are examples to us, for us who live in the end of the age. So what happened thousands of years ago applies to us. So what I have been praying is that God would open every single one of our eyes to hear what he is saying to us in the end of the age, those of us who are part of the body of Christ at this end time. Now I'm going to start with the book of Judges, but before we go into the book of Judges, I want to take you to the end of the book of Joshua. Joshua is, is, is uh, the book just before Judges in the order of, of books in the Old Testament. It's the book just before uh, Judges. So you have Deuteronomy, you have Je Joshua, and then you have the book of Judges. And I just want to remind you that uh, the man Joshua was the man who led Israel after the death of Moses. And the book of Joshua is, if we were to look at the whole book, is an account of the nation of Israel conquering the land that God had promised them through their ancestor Abraham. Now, I'm not going to take you all the way through the book of Joshua because it becomes very laborious at points, talking about different tribes conquering areas and what area was allotted to them. And we're not going to go through all of that today. I just want us to look at a particular verse that caught my attention at the end of the book of Joshua, because I think it reveals the heart of the people of Israel 
of the nation of Israel at this particular time. And this is what it says, Joshua 24, 31. The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. And I underline that part I want you to get. Throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. So the people of Israel served God, were committed to the Lord as long as Joshua was alive. The implication here is that when Joshua died and, and those that had experienced the mighty, miraculous movings of God, when that generation passed, there arose a generation who lost their heart for God. They lost their devotion to the Lord. In fact, things got so bad in Israel that the ending verse of the book of Judges, chapter 21, verse 25 says, all the people did whatever seemed right in their eyes. In their eyes. They did right, but they judged right by their own point of view. In fact, these people twisted or accepted truth based on what they preferred, based on what they liked. And I want to submit to you today that that's a very dangerous way for any of us to live our Christian life. Because if everyone decides for themselves what is right and what is wrong, then you have chaos and anarchy. There has to be a standard that is above our own personal feelings. Because if you don't have an unchanging standard, an immutable standard, then anyone can do anything and justify it in their own eyes. So this is the way that it was in Israel at this particular time. As long as they had good, godly leadership, the people were devoted to the Lord. But as soon as that leadership was gone, so was their devotion. Now that brings two thoughts to my mind. The first one is this. When people become their own standard of right and wrong, all kinds of self-deception and perversion become acceptable. Now that's true nationally. That is true culturally. It is true within a denomination. It is true within a local church. It's true within a family. It's true within an individual. When you become your own standard, anything is possible for your life. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. If you like the King James, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, the NIV translates the last part of that as where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, if there is no vision of God, if there is no understanding of the reality that we will all stand before God and give an account for our lives, if there is no standard in our lives, in our hearts, of what's right and acceptable that is based solely on the Word of God and on the person of God, people will cast off restraint and do increasingly unthinkable things. Now that's called relativism. Relativism is a, 
is a philosophy of life whereby you decide for yourself what is relative to you, what you choose to believe. And all of us do that to a certain degree. But to the degree to which you submit yourself to God and his word will influence your perception of what is right and what is wrong. Relativism is exactly what's going on in Israel, the nation of Israel at this particular time after the death of Joshua. The people embraced their own ideas instead of following God's standard, and it resulted in personal and national disaster. But here's what I want you to see. The same thing is true today. The same principle applies today. Have you ever had somebody tell you, I'm living by my own truth or something to that effect? It's, I, I interpret it in my own way. I'm, I'm happy for what you have, what you believe, but I have my own truth. Pop culture today is trying to press all of us into its mold to accept what it is determining is right and wrong in terms of beliefs and conduct. But what I want to tell you, because there's nothing I can do about pop culture, but what I want to say to you as your pastor is that we as believers cannot let changing cultural standards determine our beliefs or our conduct. It must be God and it must be based upon God's word alone and he is the one who determines it. He is the unchangeable standard. Anything less will lead to anarchy in your life. That's why the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. In other words, let God give you a new DNA of thinking. Let God change the DNA of how you th used to think into the new way that God wants you to think about life and about how you live your life and about what is really important in your life. And that leads me to my second thought. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to discern truth from error and how to live the truth once we discern it. You've got to have the power of the Spirit. The Spirit guides us into all truth. That's why I so appreciated the song that Tara led us in in the last, the last song we sang. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, Lord, is what my heart longs for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. I want to, that has been my prayer. God, I want to be overcome by your presence. Now, I talked about this in the month of April. We talked about the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to review all of that. But I just want to say to you this morning, brothers and sisters, God has given us a helper, a friend who wants to walk with us 24-7. It's not just for church services. It's not just for Christian gatherings. It's for you to be the light of God in the middle of the darkness that you live in and work in every single day. And to do that, you have got to have the power of the Holy Spirit flooding your heart, filling your life. The atmosphere of your life has got to start changing into what God has for you. That has to be a desire within you. 
It won't happen unless it becomes a desire within your life where you are hungry and you are thirsty for what God wants to say to you. Paul says in Galatians 5.16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. That's the holiness factor that we heard about just a moment ago. Now, we live in a time in the Christian world where many churches are teaching that what God did in the book of Acts, he is no longer doing. That it's, it's, it's certainly a part of the, the fabric of church history, but what God did then is not for today. It was something God kind of did to kickstart the, the church world and to get it moving, but it's no longer needed today. I want to tell you, I totally disagree with that teaching. In fact, I will go so far as to say that we need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and in our church, in this church body, more today and especially as we get closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ back for his church because the days are getting more evil. When you go back to the history of Israel at the time of the judges, and, and, and the time of the judges is the time in between Joshua and the establishment of the kings. So the first king of Israel was Saul. And then following him, the major king that came following him was David. Solomon after that, and then a plethora of other kings until they were taken over by the Babylonian Empire because of the rebellion. In between Joshua, who led the nation, Moses, Joshua, now you got Saul, David. In between there is a period of time called the Judges. And the Judges were people that God raised up, men and women, by the way, not just men, who were raised up at significant times in the history of the nation where they needed God's help. They would come under judgment because you'll see this phrase in the book of Judges over and over again. And it says, it's this word, again, Israel did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And you'll see that over and over again. Again, again. It's like, oh, good grief, come on. Again, they're following back into sin, you know. After they're delivered and everything starts going good, isn't it human nature? Hey, everything's going great in our life, you know. What do we need God for? You know, we never say that, but we start thinking it. And again, that's what they did. They, they, they started living by their own standards. They did evil in the sight of God, and, and the Lord would oppress them or allow them to be oppressed by other nations. Now, when you go back to the history of the judges, uh, or the history of Israel at the time of the judges, what you find is, is God's covenant people living like the people of the world. So they had the wonderful promises of God, which were incredible, and they had the word of God, which no other nation had. Why did God give Israel the word? It's because they were to be a witness and a testimony of the true God, but they failed at that because they didn't live it out. So they had the, the promises of God, they had the word of God, they had the covenant of God, which was incredible, but none of that made a difference. They gave in to the cultural pressure that was around them to be like the other nations of the world. 
And what that produced was a nation, the nation of Israel, that was constantly in bondage. For them, it was bondage, first of all, to false gods. They worshiped, they began worshiping false gods, the, the gods of the nations around them. Why would you do that? It's because it's always easier to compromise. It's never easy to stand for the Lord, to stand for Jesus. That's never easy. And when I say stand for him, I'm not meaning, I don't mean being confrontational with people. But to let the light of Christ and to not be a part of the world's values. It's always easy to, easier to give in to the world's values. And so the world looks at Christians and says, you're a bunch of pansies, you're a bunch of uh, weaklings or something. No, on the contrary. A, a person who is full of the Spirit of God and is, and is living by the standards of God is a person of incredible strength because anybody can give in. It takes incredible strength to say, no, I'm not going to do what God has called sin. They gave in to sin. They worshiped false gods. And that produced false beliefs, of course. They started believing the stuff that they were worshiping. That led to idolatry, which ultimately led them into bondage because they were conquered then by foreign nations and they became the slaves of these nations. Now, we live in a time today when we are being pressured by society to adjust our beliefs, to adjust our standards the standards that God has set in his word. And we're being pressured about this because these standards bring conviction. These standards bring a sense of guilt upon those who don't live them. So if you live a holy life in a, in a world that's not holy, that bugs them. They want to make you, you have to change. You have to adapt. But what I want you to see is that these are the very standards that produce freedom. These are the standards that set you free. Jesus pointedly said in John 8, 32, that only the truth sets you free. Not adjusting to the popular, the truth sets you free. Freedom doesn't come from changing truth to make it fit us. Freedom comes only by changing us to fit the truth. Listen to what Galatians 5.13 says. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Now, just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and end up destroying your freedom in the end. And then the next verses out of Galatians go on to talk about how this only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit when we allow him to fill us and to control our lives. So the truth is that we can only enjoy true freedom through the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit's power within us now more than ever. I want to I want to establish that in your heart. Don't be religious. Be filled with God's spirit. There's a huge difference. Now, there are probably four different groups of believers that are here in the church. I'm, so I'm speaking of believers, followers of Christ. There are probably four different groups. First of all, there are those of you who have never experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've never experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're saved, 
you're on your way to heaven. You've been baptized into Christ by the Spirit, but that's as far as you have gone with the working of the Spirit in your life. It has stopped for you there. Maybe you have heard that there is no more for you from God. That's as far as God wants to take you. Or maybe you were taught that what God did in the book of Acts has come to an end. In fact, I even have bumped into Christians who have been taught that anything more than salvation is of the devil, that it's demonic. So maybe you fall into one of those categories. I don't know. But at, at any rate, you're kind of stuck spiritually. And if you were honest, you would, you would say, is that all there is to God? Is, is this all there is? Or is there more? There's a second group that are probably here. Those of you who know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you haven't experienced this wonderful blessing in your life yet. But you're hungry. I applaud you. God bless you. You're hungry. You're crying out to God for more. You're, that song we sang, come fill my heart with your presence, Lord. Saturate my life. I want more and more of your presence. And you know what? Even if you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is infinite. And I challenge every person here today to seek for more and more and more and more because you never run out of more with Jesus. You never hit the limit. It's like God never says, well, that's all I got. That's as far as we can go. Now, he'll never take you into truth that is other than what the Bible gives you. Don't misunderstand me. The Bible is the confirmed truth of God. And, and God will never lead you to start writing a new book in the Bible or new scripture. That's false. But he has experiences for you that are in agreement with his written word that deepen your walk with God. And, and for those of you who know about the baptism, you've not experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but you hunger for more, I applaud you, and I just say not only to you, but to every person here, hunger for more of Jesus and more of the Spirit of the Lord. Thirdly, there's a group probably here who have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at some time in the past, but the experience has grown cold in your life. You remember how dynamically God first touched you, but you've allowed the light, the flame to go to a flicker, and it's, it's not impacting your life any longer. And you know it. You need a rekindling of that gift. And then fourthly, there's probably a group of people here who have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you are today on fire for God. He's working miraculously in your life, through your life, and it's made all the difference in the world to you. Now, there might be more groups than that. That's what came to my mind. But I think you all understand that looking at these four different groups, that number four is, is where the Lord wants all of us to be. Now, I have to tell you that I didn't intend when I started this message to get into this on the Holy Spirit. What happened is my wife messed me all up. And she did it by sending me a video. A video of a woman, because I'm not a Facebooker, I was unaware of this person. Many of you will be aware of her when I show you a little clip of her. But um, 
she sent me this clip this past week while I was working on this message, and it was through this clip that she sent me, this video clip, that I felt the Holy Spirit impressed me that he wanted me to redirect this message and talk to the church about the need for the power and the working of the Holy Spirit within our lives. Now, the first video I'm going to show you is kind of a silly video. It, it was made by this young woman who apparently had a camera on the dash of her car. A lot of people do that these days. So she had a camera on the dash of her car. Her name is Candace Payne. I don't know if that name rings any bells, but she has become an internet sensation because of her uncontrolled laughter when she put on a Chewbacca mask. And if you watch the whole thing, you get so tickled watching her get tickled that you can't stop but laugh and laugh and laugh right along with her. Now, because of that, as some of you might already know this, she has had, we're just going to show you a small clip of it, but she has had 150 million hits on this video. She's been on Good Morning America and other national talk shows because so many people have been drawn to this little clip of this video. So I'm going to step to the side here so make sure everybody can see. And we're just going to show you a little clip of her experience. Hey, I'm, I'm really excited to share with you something I got. Okay, so this is what I got. Once again, this is for me, not for Duncan, not for Cadence. I mean, I'll let them play with it. I'm not a bad mom. I'm not a jerk. But in all honesty, at the end of the day, it doesn't go in their toy box. It goes in my room. So here we go. I got to take off my glasses for it. <laughs> Naturally. Okay, here we go. So, yes! Now watch when my mouth actually moves. <laughs> That's not me making that noise, it's the mask! Here, listen. Okay, that's all we're going to show you of it. It goes on for a long time. And I know some of you are thinking, now this is crazy. Where's Pastor Jim going with this? But there's a point to all of this, so hold on. Now, well, for one thing, I want to have that kind of joy in life. Amen? You know, even if it's just over a Chewbacca mask, I want to be joyful, you know, in life. And I find that I get way too serious sometimes. Anyway, that that's... This joyful young woman is also a Christian. In fact, she's the worship leader at Assemblies of God Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And um, <clears throat> one Sunday, she shared her testimony of her encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit within her life. And this is the change that I was talking about that I made to this message when I saw this video. That's when I felt so guided of the Spirit, so prompted, that I needed to share with you the testimony that you're about to see. So with this in mind, I want to share with you what happened to her life when she came under new management, when she was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, Debbie. My name is Candace Payne, and I grew up in a church where we really didn't teach about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
As a matter of fact, what I knew of speaking in tongues and what I was taught is that it was useful and valid for biblical times and that it already served its purpose and in essence, it was a dead gift. Well, that wholeheartedly allowed me to believe what I read in scripture to be valid and true, but it also wholeheartedly allowed me to believe that it wasn't for me. My family and I started to come to the Oaks about three years ago. And within just a few weeks, we discovered that our church believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the practice of speaking in tongues. Well, I intently started looking into our church's statement of faith and being really honest, I sought out any service where they were gonna teach on the topic just for sheer curiosity's sake. And even though I was hearing sound biblical teaching about the subject, and I was experiencing it in our worship times, even very personally experiencing it behind stage as we prayed together in circles, I still believed and maintained my position that it was not for me. Now my husband and I still felt a call to be here though. We felt like we need to be obedient to be here and that we found a place that we loved and we were growing in the Lord, building relationships, we were plugging in, we were serving. However, we just had this indifference about the whole speaking in tongues thing. Well, fast forward to very recently, November 6, 2013. It was at our Wednesday night teaching time at the well. They were speaking about the Holy Spirit. And um, I was on the worship team that night. I sat during the message and I listened intently. I took notes. I agreed with everything that was in the scriptures, still maintained my position. And I began to take the stage at the very end of the service, which ironically was a time built in where we were going to invite anybody that wanted to be baptized in the spirit to come forward. We started singing these lyrics, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. And as we sang that, I just have to tell you, I felt a deep conviction in my soul that I was not a welcoming place for the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, I was quenching the Spirit of God, which I really, really loved. So I just started to say to him, God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me for my pious, arrogant, cynical attitude that I've had towards you? And would you just have your way in me? And while I started praying that, That was going on in my head, but when I opened my eyes, I realized that my lips were saying something completely different. I was speaking in tongues, and I was completely freaked out. So much so that the next day, I decided I was gonna carve out 30 more minutes in my time alone with God because we had some stuff to discuss. And he had to answer a lot of questions for me. And I began praying on my bed And I I began to speak in tongues again. And when that stopped and it got silent, I paused. And I said, God, you don't have to, but could you please interpret that for me? Because I I just am really uncomfortable. And can can you just be gracious to tell me what you're saying? But what he began to reveal is an issue that I've carried around with me for about 20 plus years. That issue is very personal and it affects my marriage. It affects my relationships with others. And ultimately, it affected my trust in him. But he didn't stop there when he interpreted for me. He also said, all right, I'm gonna intercede for you right here, right now, 
break chains and you are going to have passion in your life once again in every single aspect. And I can't help but feel that this morning there isn't somebody just like me that you know there's an issue with God that you're against him saying, not for me, can't be for me. And you come at him with religious piousness or arrogance or cynicism. Can I just urge you to begin to surrender and move to where he is? His ways are higher than ours, yes, but they're also so much better. I'd like for you to stand with me this morning. <clears throat> Maybe the worship team could come, please. Maybe to you, you're saying, "What? Why are? Why is everybody so emotional today?" It's not unusual that when the Holy Spirit begins moving in a very strong and significant way in the life of an individual, that He moves beyond just rational thought and into the realm of, of, the, of emotion as well. Doesn't always happen that way. Not everybody's built the same way. But when it becomes, well, you know what? When I asked Carrie to marry me and she said yes, I got emotional over that. I did a wedding yesterday and as I'm, as I'm talking to the couple, and just, and just doing my little talk to them during this, the ceremony, I look over and he's got big old crocodile tears just coming down his cheeks, you know. And I see that oftentimes in women. I don't see it that much in men. It kind of startled me. But something so significant was happening in his life because she said yes. And they were they were bringing that to its logical conclusion right there in front of me as I pronounced them man and wife. And, you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not bringing you into the body of Christ, not making you part of the bride of Christ, because you already are that. You're already saved. But it's a, it's a next step of empowering that God has for you. And here's the deal. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. Even the people who don't believe it, it's for them. If they don't believe and don't receive, don't want it, then they won't receive it. But it's nonetheless for them. Now, I don't have a ton of time here this morning. I hate the clock. But I didn't create time. God did. But you know what? I believe God wants to significantly start the process of just pouring into you, maybe even bringing it, maybe he started it days ago or weeks ago and he's gonna bring it to conclusion or fulfillment today. But if you're hungry for more of God in your life, I'm gonna ask Tara and the team to start leading us in the song that we ended today. Maybe at one time you had such a dynamic encounter with God, but the flame is a flicker and you want to get the flame back. Or maybe you've never experienced this and you say, God, I just want everything you have for me.
I want to ask you to right now, yeah, while everybody's looking, just come and stand before God and say, here's my life, Lord. I am ready for more of you. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.